norms are not static and they should evolve over time because what tends to happen is we have this aspirational culture, we make a set of agreements, and we get pretty good at these things. We're going to master some of this stuff. The bumps that we thought are going to be there are gone, no longer going to need a reminder or rules on this. And so those norms can be dropped. And at the same time, what oftentimes happens is new bumps emerge that we hadn't anticipated. So we need to develop some new norms and those can be adopted and added. Welcome to Transformative Leadership Conversations. This special season is a team development masterclass. And my co-host is Peter Axelson, who is a 35-year team development expert whose methodology we're showcasing. This masterclass will help team leaders and members gain insights, tactics, and tools for building effective teams. And at the end of every episode, we offer an exercise that you can use with your own team. To access all these and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. So the building block we're covering today is developing an aspirational culture with supporting norms. I know the word culture gets thrown around a lot, and sometimes it seems like people see it as something that teams don't have until they define it. However, every team has a culture, whether they recognize it or not. It's not if we have a culture. The real question here is this. Is your current team culture supporting effectiveness? Teams need to decide together what we want to be. There are lots of possibilities. So what role does culture and norms play in creating an effective team? Now, we see plenty of organizations that invest time and effort in defining their culture, values, guiding principles, things like that. That's pretty common work. But we don't often see that same work being done at the team level. I think this is a pretty clear barrier to team effectiveness, and here's why. And I see this again and again in teams. When any group of people come together to work, each of the individuals is bringing their history of working in teams, the different values, their view of what a good team looks like, the roles they're used to playing, behaviors that they think are appropriate and inappropriate, this kind of thing. So what you end up with is a patchwork. In that patchwork, in that quilt, We have different views on what a good team looks like. We have different implied norms. We have different views on what appropriate behaviors are, different visions for the team, different values, et cetera. We have this patchwork of do's and don'ts. So whatever it is, that's their culture. These things that I've just listed, these are really fundamental to life in a team. Without alignment on these things, it's really hard to get a team working well. All these differences are showing up. They're being acted out implicitly. And what we typically see as a result is friction in lots of different places on many different issues. So what we want to do in this work with teams is to be both deliberate and explicit about helping the team articulate what it wants, as opposed to floating along with their patchwork culture and all the friction that goes along with that. Yeah, I love that metaphor of the patchwork culture. We've used this term culture and norms already quite a bit. So let's just pause for a minute and define these The definition of culture that we like to use is this. Culture is the result of all the implicit and explicit rules that guide the behavior of individuals in a group. Culture is also learned from our environments. Gerd Hofstede talks about culture as the collective programming of the mind that distinguishes one group from another. So Peter and I really like this definition. It implies this idea of a shared mindset and a common language. And by the way, we'll add a note on this reference to the show notes. So that's culture, norms. 
Norms are the specific behavioral agreements. Behavioral is important here. If you will, sort of the rules that are intended to help the team, quote unquote, live into their aspirational culture. Now that these have been defined, let's get into how we help teams define their culture and norms. Yeah. So with new teams, they're literally starting with a blank page. They've never been together before. They don't Mm -hmm. really have um, patterns of interaction that have emerged yet. Blank page. With teams that have been together for a while, they're typically going to have an implicit and oftentimes patchwork culture of some sort. So through the work we do, that patchwork default culture gets replaced by something that's more explicit and that's been agreed to by the teams. So there are really five questions or prompts that frame the work that we do with teams on this topic. First one is, why bother? Second one is, describe the culture you'd like to see in the team a year from now. So what do we want that to look like out there a little bit? Third one is, what do you expect will challenge the team the most in living into that culture? In other words, where do we think the bumps are going to be? Fourth is, what agreements do we want to make to help us deal with those bumps? And then the last one is, how do we want to handle departures from team norms or the language I like to use, which makes Winnie cringe, is how are we going to enforce these things? (laughs) So why bother? Describe the culture. What's going to challenge us? What kinds of agreements do we want to make to help with the bumps? And how are we going to enforce this? Let me talk in more detail about these. Start with the why bother question. This work takes an investment of time and effort. Not everyone buys the idea that that investment's going to be worth it. They don't necessarily see the need for this work. And so we don't want to go down that path with a team just because we've suggested it. We really want to know what they really think about this. And if they're people who aren't quite sure, we need to deal with that right at the start. Mm-hmm. We think about team culture as something that's aspirational. So there should always be a bit of tension between where the team is today and where they want to be. It's a little bit of a stretch. And so that's why we use this language, aspirational team culture. When we're asking groups to start to think about their aspirations, we want them to keep the metrics in mind, the metrics for effectiveness. So quality of our output, our efficiency, satisfaction with the climate and dynamics, and then learning. We want them to keep that in mind as they're trying to articulate that destination. Let's walk through the chunks of the work and just describe the process that we use. So Winnie, do you want to take the first two? Yeah. So the prompts we use here are these. Think about the team that you would like to become six to 12 months from now, and then describe it on the dimensions that are most important to you. For example, what would we be doing or not doing? What would we see happening in the team? What are the patterns? And what would we experience? What we want people to do here is to describe a view from inside the team, as opposed to what others outside the team might observe. That way, it's not about the team's brand or reputation. It's about what it's like to be inside it, to experience that quote-unquote collective programming that Hofstede talks about. We also want the team to identify those elements that the team aspires to have as part of their culture. In other words, we want to make explicit some elements that are often left implicit. This is important. And we want this description to be focused not on too many elements. Probably having six to eight items usually works well. Now, just about every team that starts this work asks us for some examples of culture statements from other teams, (laughs) and we don't provide them. (laughs) They get annoyed with us. And then they get annoyed with us. (laughs) But we found that it's just too easy for people to adopt what they like from other teams. Yeah, sure. That sounds good, right? As opposed to really grappling with what's most important for them on this team. And it's in that grappling that usually results in some really important and good insights, 
some really good debate and a result that is really reflective of what the team truly values. Once the team has a description of their aspirational culture, we ask this, what do you expect will challenge you the most in living into this aspirational culture? Because, of course, the journey from where they are today, from where they want to be, is almost always bumpy. And we want people to embark on this journey with their eyes wide open, that they're not surprised and they're not discouraged when the going gets tough, because it will. We want people to say, "Okay, here we are. We predicted these bumps. Let's figure out what we're going to do to deal with it. Yeah, that's a really important piece because there will always be bumps. At this point in the process, they've described their aspirational culture, that destination, Mm -hmm. the place they'd like to get to, and they've articulated what they think might challenge them on this journey. So the next question we put up is, given that culture and given these challenges that you've articulated, what agreements do we want to make with each other? These are Mm -hmm. behavioral agreements. So they're specific, what we call team norms. The key thing here is we need to be able to look at each of these norms and assess pretty easily whether or not it's being followed. So it can't be murky. It's got to be really, really clear. You can see mm-hmm. that people are doing this or we're not. We like to start that list with the words, we will. So these are our agreements. They're our rules. They're our reminders. That's right. As in the case with culture, we want a short list. We want to focus on the most important elements. And so what we're looking for is kind of five, six, seven, eight items maximum. Here's an important point on norms. Norms are not static and they should evolve over time because what tends to happen is we have this aspirational culture, we make a set of agreements and we get pretty good at these things. We're going to master some of this stuff. The bumps that we thought are going to be there are gone, no longer going to need a reminder or rules on this. And so those norms can be dropped. And at the same time, what oftentimes happens is new bumps emerge that we hadn't anticipated. So we need to develop some new norms and those can be adopted and added. So I tell people, Norms should be organic. They're going to change. Don't frame them. Don't put them behind glass. (laughs) I actually know about a story that ignored your advice. (laughs) Could you talk about that? (laughs) Yeah, this is, I think, maybe they did the right thing by ignoring my advice. But I was working in a cement plant in the Midwest at one point. The plant leadership team had done some really hard work together and had produced a really nice culture statement and a set of norms. And they were very proud of that. They were proud Mm -hmm. of the work they'd done, proud of the way the team had grown and become more effective. And they wanted to make their progress really visible to the plant community. They thought it would help their brand as a plant management team. And so on one of my trips there, I noticed there's a new frame on the wall in the office area and it was their culture and norms. They had ignored my advice. Anyway, it turned out, I think they did the right thing in this case. They did have to take the frame down and replace what was in it a few times, but they were okay with that. Okay. Peter, considering what you just said a minute ago that You're not going to like this, but I think it would be helpful for our listeners to hear an example or two of a culture statement from one of our clients and some norms related to that culture. Could you share an example or story? I think you've got a really nice classic one. Yeah. Well, as Wendy said, we don't like to do this, but I do think (laughs) on this podcast, it'd be helpful to provide one example. That's right. What's important here is that culture statements and norms vary a lot from team to team. These are always reflective of where the team is starting. So as I'm going to talk about the culture norms, in this case, the team was a mess. As I say, the bus was in the ditch and had been there for several years, and they had big problems with interpersonal relationships. So their description of where they wanted to be in six months looks like this. They had a summary, and then they had some bullets. Summary was, it feels like we're all on the same team. 
working together on shared objectives. We have strong, healthy relationships with our managers, our peers, and our direct reports, both within and between verticals or between functions. That statement should tell you some things about where they're beginning. The bullets underneath this said, we respect each other as the individuals that we each are. We treat each other with grace in all of our interactions. We know each other as people, and we know each other's work worlds. We feel appreciated for our contributions, for the roles we play, for the value we bring. We're comfortable talking about what we're thinking and feeling, to being transparent. And the last one is feedback flows in all directions with the intent to help each other learn and grow and to keep our relationships working well. Just six things. These are the things that the team saw as most important in the near term. What they're describing here is a very different place from where they were starting, which was a bus full of unhappy people in the ditch for them. That was their culture statement. Their norms, they made just four agreements. I'm just going to read you the top lines. Under each of these bullets, they had four or five things that articulated this more clearly, but these were their four. They said, we will invest time in building our relationships with each other. We'll make this a priority. We will be proactive with feedback conversations, asking and offering with people at all levels. We will assume positive intent in all of our interactions. And last one is, we will make a habit of expressing appreciation, celebrating success, and noting progress. Very specific, just four things, very focused. These are the things that they thought would make the biggest difference. What's interesting here, the work that the team did on their culture norm, this was an example of a really good piece of work that they did here. They started it, they were in a really tough place. I think there was an appropriate degree of both pride and relief from when they got to this point. Because I think what they were feeling is they no longer had a patchwork mm. with all of that associated friction. They could say, okay, that's what we want to be. Now let's get to work. That's a great classic description of culture and norms that I think will be really helpful for our listeners to kind of picture what it is we're talking about in terms of the results that they could get, at least in terms of the statement. So speaking of that, that was a classic, really good example. I think super helpful for our listeners to hear. Those are the words, but actually changing our behavior to support a beautifully defined set of norms that Peter just described is actually really hard work. And I tell teams that they're going to mess up, that they're not going to get it right all the time. So all of the team members need to hold each other accountable. And it's important to start planning to do that right now before it inevitably happens. But people aren't always comfortable and usually aren't comfortable holding their peers and certainly not their bosses accountable. So in this type of work, this is where many of the teams end up falling down. Some of the work on offerings and asking for feedback is really a big part of the work that we will do to support this. We are going to explore feedback a bit more in episode 10 when we talk about continuous improvement mechanisms. So you can yeah. hear more about that then. Just a thought on this. I think that what's tricky here, culture and norms, it's really a wasted effort unless people really support them. The trick is the enforcement. That's the word that I like to use that Winnie hates. <laughs> but <laughs> that needs to be balanced with an appropriate degree of patience and grace with each that's other, right. right? Because changing behavior is hard work. It's one thing to say, that's what we want to be. And here are our agreements. Going down that path with all the bumps in the road is hard. So you do need to hold each other accountable. But that accountability and that needs to happen with some patience, with some grace, with some gratitude. That's how we approach our work on culture and norms. And as you can imagine, this takes time and it takes effort, but we think that the benefits are really substantial. So new team members are going to be likely joining your team. And I think what's important to do here is to introduce them to the culture statement, to talk with them about the challenges that had been anticipated, 
to talk about the journey that the team is on, maybe do some storytelling about what's been easy, what's been hard, and to share with them the team norms that everyone's been committed to upholding. Because new people joining the team, they need to be a part of this as well. And then once these things are developed, once the team has a clearly articulated aspirational culture and a set of norms, these things should become important standards against which to measure your progress. So if a team is having a how are we doing conversation, questions like how are we performing against our aspirational culture, to what degree are we honoring our team norms, those should be things that get discussed. The whole idea here is don't just create them, put them on the wall and forget about them. We want these to be organic. We want these to be alive. We want this to be a thread that's pulled through the life of the group. Yeah, it's interesting to see how this work on culture norms really ends up positively impacting the identity of teams. That's another aspect of this. Having shared goals like we've talked about in episode four helps unify people. Identifying the joint work, which we talked about in episode five, and we've described as the glue for the team, also unifies the team. But both of these things are really about the work. And so they're a little bit more impersonal. However, culture and norms is different. They are about the people. They're more personal because it's really about us. And grappling with these questions about what we want to be and about the agreements we want to make with each other, while it's very hard work, it can be very rewarding also to see how people feel when they've done this work together. They feel tighter, more committed to each other and to the team with a much clearer sense of identity as a team. Now it's time for an individual reflection that you can try as a team leader or a team member. The objective of this exercise is to start describing the culture you would like to see developed in your team, say, six to 12 months from now, and to identify those aspects that are most different from the culture that the team has today. Here's the thing that you might do and the questions you might reflect on. What would we be doing or not doing? The behaviors. What would we see happening in the team And then what patterns would be most apparent? And what would we experience as part of the team? What would it actually feel like? And jot down some thoughts on those three questions. Step back and see what you notice in the answers that you provided. What stands out? What surprises you? What are the biggest differences between your answers to those three questions and where the team is today? And what might you do next to think about the culture for your team? Yeah, if I could just highlight a couple things here. When you're thinking about these questions, It's really important to think about these things from the perspective of being inside the team. What would we be doing or not doing? What would we see happening? What patterns would be apparent? What would we experience? What would we feel as opposed to the view from outside the team and what other people may see? So this might be more reflective of the brand of the team or the reputation of the team. Mm -hmm. Reflecting on these kinds of questions can be really helpful and we're giving you a good starting point here. The work on this building block is really challenging because what we see is that people oftentimes have different definitions of culture and norms. Brand and culture oftentimes get confused, oftentimes a struggle to be aspirational enough that stretch is missing. And people oftentimes dodge the enforcement question, (laughs) right? (laughs) You know, if you're intrigued with what you've heard in this episode, but you're reluctant to tackle this on your own because it's a hard one, I'll give Winnie a call. She can help you through this. So give this a try and see what you learn. Remember, to access all of these exercises and more, download the podcast companion directly from the show notes or from my website at www.winniedasilva.com by clicking on the podcast tab. Peter and I would love to hear about your experience and what resonated with you during today's episode. 
You can do that by emailing me at winnie at winifred.org, going to my website, or reaching out to me on LinkedIn. So next up, episode nine, where Peter and I have a high-quality conversation about high-quality conversations. This building block is all about how we discuss what we discuss. Having high-quality conversations is really, really, really important to team effectiveness. And it's really fun to watch the growing confidence and the sense of accomplishment in a team when they experience progress on these things, becoming broader participation, more candor, and better understanding of each other. So these are big deals. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Transformative Leadership Conversations. If you're ready to take your leadership to the next level or empower your teams for success, I'm here to help. Reach out to me directly or check out my website to learn more about my work in coaching executives, developing critical leadership skills, and working with clients to build effective teams. And by the way, your feedback matters. Please consider leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and sharing this episode with a friend who might benefit. Thanks again for listening.